for the next three weeks, we are going to be unpacking. Uh, we're going to be unpacking specific questions that came in, like the, the most asked question or type of question that came in when we had a Q&R a few weeks ago, which is a question and response night. How many of you were a part of that a few weeks ago, Q&R night? Cool. Uh, we, do it, we do it periodically. We're going to have another Q&R night in December in, in about a month or so uh, that you get to really ask any question about anything anonymously, and we talk about it. But what we did, because so many questions came in and we weren't able to go through all of them and answer all of them, what we did uh, is we decided to unpack over the next three weeks, we're going to take one or so and unpack it a little bit because of how much came in around that idea or that topic and address it. And the thing that uh, I'm going to be talking specifically about tonight is around the question that came in a lot about how to reach your friends or tell your friends about or share with people that don't know or want to know about Jesus how to share with them Jesus, how to reach your friends that are lost, how to reach people that like, I don't want church, I don't, I don't get it, I don't like Jesus, I don't have, I'm not a big fan. Some of you, they, you might be here tonight and you're with somebody uh, that you got, you got invited to come or you came to our invite night last week. And so some of you, you might not be Christians and that's totally okay. This is still gonna be something I believe God's gonna speak to you through. And it's awesome that you're here. How many of you know that youth group, that's what this is, this is Living Water Youth and it's a group, so there you go. Youth group is a place that's not for perfect people that have it all together. LWY is a place full of broken people that are on a journey trying to get closer to God and figure out how to have a relationship with Jesus and, and not, not just not a religion per se as much as really a relationship with God because we believe that God's alive. We believe God's real. We believe that God uh, desires a relationship with his creation. And so it's not just this, uh, this big old guy that lives up in the sky with a really long beard and he gets angry at people all the time because they do a bunch of bad stuff. And that's not what this is all about. We really believe that God is, God is a father who loves his kids. You've heard a lot about that tonight already. But because of that, we all bring baggage to the table. We are not perfect. We all make mistakes. I make them a lot. We all struggle with shame and guilt and condemnation at times, that feeling of like, I'm not worthy. Like, how can God love this mess? Like, how can God use this mess? And so you need to know that it's important that this is a group of people that when we gather on Sunday nights or in life groups throughout the week, that it's not a group of people that are like, yep, I got Jesus all down. I'm Christian. I'm perfect. I never struggle. No, it's a bunch of broken and messed up situations and people coming together being like, our own commonality is what, what we have in common is that we're broken and we are desperately in need of Jesus. That's what brings us all together. So that's the safe place that you're in tonight. I promise you, you will see things that you're like, that's not perfect um, because we're a bunch of imperfect people. But what, what this question came in a lot. How do I tell my friends about Jesus? In a world where like people don't want to hear about God and religion and Jesus and stuff, like how do I do this? I got friends that I really love and care about that, that don't know him. Like how do I talk about it? What do I say? Do I even say anything? Like, what can and should I do to help share Jesus with people that either I know or I don't know? My family. Maybe, maybe your situ situation is you got a family that doesn't know Jesus. And so you, you didn't have the upbringing in church that brought you, you know, all your family comes together at the dinner table. You guys all bow your heads and close your eyes and say a prayer before your meal. Like, maybe that's not your situation. And I know statistically, a lot of you in here that maybe not represent your situation. Um, and yet God is still good and God has still an incredible plan for your life in your family. And he wants to see them encounter his love and be changed by him. So tonight we're going to talk about how 
to effectively reach the lost? We're going we're gonna to wrestle with this question. Jesus talks about evangelism. The disciples model it throughout their life after following Jesus in the New Testament. We're going to take a look at something in the book of Acts tonight, chapter 4, that really gives us a glimpse of what it really looks like to, to talk about Jesus and to share Jesus with people. But when it comes to sharing Jesus, uh, another word used for sharing Jesus and talking about Jesus is the word evangelism. Anybody heard that word before? Evangelism can sound like a super spiritual churchy word, and so it can be kind of a turnoff for some people because it, it's got that vibe, but it's a really good word. It's not a bad word at all. It's, 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 uh, it's something I think is misconstrued and mis misperceived a lot. I think, I think evangelism, uh, what comes to mind for a lot of people when they think of the word evangelism is like a pushy car salesman, like somebody that like you go, you know, if you've ever bought, you know, bought, bought, gone to your gone with your parents or your guardians to buy a car or you've heard about this experience, you go to the lot and maybe you've experienced like someone's like already at your door and they're like trying to get, tell you how awesome this car is. And they're like, they are motivated to sell you this car because it's important, obviously, for them to sell it for their own livelihood. But they, there can be this feeling at times that like evangelism is like a, a motivation. It's like a pushy, like car salesman kind of feel. It can feel like that. Uh, I know some people, when they think about evangelism, they think about awkward conversations like those moments where like somebody says something in a room or in a group and it's just like the awkwardest thing they could possibly say. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that or you've, you've attempted to try to tell somebody about Jesus and it just got awkward really quick or you were around somebody else who was trying to tell somebody about Jesus and you could just, it was so awkward. It was like, it was like you could cut how thick the awkward was in the room because it was just so, I don't know if you've been there. I've been there and I just cringe thinking about it. Someone that's like, oh, they got a great heart and they're trying to talk about Jesus, but they are just, they're just making it so awkward. Some of you think about that word when you think about telling people about Jesus. Or some of you are like, that's not my job. Chase, that's why you're here. You're a pastor. That's kind of like what, what you're supposed to do. Like, that's why I just bring my friends to youth group. Like, you're, the, you're supposed to tell people about Jesus. Like, you're supposed to be the evangelist. So there's a lot of different things that we might think about evangelism. But evangelism isn't any of those things. It's not a high-pressure sales job. It's, it's not about arguing people into a faith, into a certain belief system. It's not a job just for pastors only. Or it's not just some exclusive spiritual gift that God only gives a couple people, and then everybody else has to just kind of like deal with not, or getting away with not having any participation. It's not a crusade or an event or some big tent meeting. And it's not done only by people who have all of the answers to, to life's questions and faith's questions and questions about God. I think some people think that too. Like, I can't talk about Jesus because I don't have a lot of the answers anyway. So here's what evangelism is. Really, this is what it boils down to. is helping somebody move one step closer to Jesus. That's it. Helping somebody move one step closer on their journey to Jesus. That's what evangelism is. It's taking great lengths to help get somebody home. Jesus calls Christians to evangelize and reach the lost. And that's important to know because we're going to talk about kind of where, the, where this motivation comes from. Because some of you, you, we need to break down the motivation, the why, the motive of why you would even tell somebody about Jesus. Because if we can't do that, uh, then we're really starting in the wrong place. Because the why, the, the why should dictate the what. 
But a lot of times in church, the what is the primary thing. The what. Uh, don't lie. The what. Uh, don't say those words. The what. Uh, don't have sex before marriage. The what. Uh, forgive that person because, because it's, 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 it's the what. But, 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 but a lot of the time we get stuck about focusing on all the what's and we miss that there's something more than the what. It's, it's the why. Why do those things matter? Why, why should I forgive? Why should I save sex for marriage? Why should I say uh, no to this relationship that's unhealthy and causing me to compromise my values and, and what God's called me to be? Why should I tell somebody about Jesus? Not, not just that I should. And, and that unpacking that question of that why is something that like, I want to challenge you. You should be constantly asking yourself that why question like every day. Like Why? Because, because here's what's happening, and here's what I see a lot. I experienced this in youth group. I went to youth group with kids that, like, got radical encounters with Jesus at an invite night or a Collide West conference or a Collide summer camp kind of experience. They, they had a real encounter with God. Like, it was real. It wasn't just emotional hype. It wasn't just like you got the goose bumblebees in the song and it felt really good and everybody was crying. And so there was this moment where everybody was just rubbing the snout on each other's shoulders because it just <laughs> felt God moving crazy. No, it was real. But then, but, but then I would begin to see people like just like walk away. They would have these encounters for real. I mean, I was there on the altar with them. Like there was no way they were faking that cry. There was no way they were faking what was going on in them where they were like, yep, Jesus is everything. I don't want to go back to this old way of life. And then yet there would come a point where they would begin to go back to an old way of life. Some of you might have experienced that before personally or maybe around you. I've experienced it personally. So what I think began to happen in my, my youth group and what I see, I see happening in, in people that are in youth, high school, middle school, young adults now, is a lot of that, that, that walk away syndrome or that like I'm leaving what I experienced syndrome is because they did not do enough digging into the why. And they only were content with the what. Because my parents said so. Because my pastor said it's right. Because, because but they didn't. Lean into the why. And this is big. When it comes to telling people about Jesus, if you don't have a clear why, then you're, you're, not, you're, you're really not going to probably operate in it and in, in experience what God has for you in it. But then you, you might do it like once, and then you're going to call it, call it quits on it because it's, it's difficult. It can be awkward. It can be confusing. It can be, it can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. But if you've got a why, if you've got a motive that you've got from the word of God that's deep within your bones, like it doesn't matter how many rejections or no's or discouragements that you experience, like you're gonna keep going and God's gonna keep using you and you're gonna keep planting seeds and you're gonna see people come into an encounter with Jesus and their eternities be impacted. So let me speak to, let me speak to a, a couple wise we get from scripture, from Jesus himself. We're gonna, I'm gonna, they'll be up on the screen. This isn't our main text. So we're gonna be in Acts 4 in a second, but. Jesus says this in Luke 19. He says, for the son of man came to seek and save the who? Lost. What, that's a why for us. Jesus himself, his mission, his, his motive, his why was to come seek and save the lost. We, well, we, we like to call ourselves Christians, which another way of saying it is like little Christ, little, little representations and models, examples of Jesus. Well, Jesus' motive was to come and seek and save the lost. And that's a pretty good motive to adopt ourselves. 
Matthew 28, he says, go therefore, this is Jesus speaking to, to his disciples and to the people that were out listening after he had already come and conquered death, hell, and the grave and resurrected and was about to ascend. And he says this, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Another motive, another why, Jesus is giving us clear direction to go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15, he also says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So an important kind of just kind of note for life, like, like real good encouragement, wisdom for y'all to just consider for your own personal lives, like hear the words of Jesus and obey them. Like, if Jesus speaks something, like, take it to your heart and be like, all right, that probably was probably for real. Like, wasn't a cool thought. Jesus had it for that little group of people that were hanging out. Like, now I'm going to take what he said to my heart, and I'm going to adopt it in my life for real, for me. That's a good, like, life 101 for you to consider for your own life. When Jesus speaks, it's powerful. It's life-changing. Listen to what he's saying because it matters. Effectively reaching the lost begins with a heart that breaks for the lost. Um, so this is probably the, one of the bigger whys for me when it comes to, why would I tell somebody about Jesus? Why would I risk my reputation? Why would I risk being rejected? Why would I risk someone being like, no? Uh, because I've gotten to a place where God has broken my heart for people that don't know him. That is a huge motivator. If your heart is, is, uh, is apathetic, I don't know if you guys know what that word, that, that word is just like, a, like a, just a neutral, like, ah, eh, eh, ah. If you've got just an ah, eh, towards people spending eternity in heaven or hell, that's a good place to start. Like, does your heart break for people that don't know Jesus. You cannot effectively reach the lost until your heart first breaks for the lost. Jesus' heart broke for those that did not know him, that do not know him, and that's a glimpse of the Father's heart. That's where it starts. Do you care about where people will spend their eternity? This is, this is kind of, this concept of eternity is like the biggest one of the entire night. So, so really, this conversation does not matter at all. You sitting here listening to anything I have to say does not matter at all if you aren't thinking about this concept through the lens of eternity, that this life that we have on earth is a temporary blip on the timeline of eternity, that we're not going to be here forever, that what we're doing is, is, is about more than just what we're doing right now. If you don't believe that there is an eternity, then, then this conversation really does not matter. We believe that the scripture is clear, that, that we aren't just temporary on this life and then that's it. But that God has a plan from the creation of the world until the end of, of, of the world as we know it. But there's something that's more than this world. It's not of this world. It's an eternity spent in heaven or separated from God in hell that is all contingent upon and hinges on Jesus Christ as the Savior and someone's acceptance of what he has done for them or not and faith being put in him for their life to forgive them for their sins and make them a new creation. It's about eternity. 
We don't talk about eternity that often. It sounds good in some songs occasionally. Uh, it feels good like in those movies when someone passes away and, and people just want to talk about the better place that they're in. But like we don't really like break it down a lot. Like that this whole thing is actually about eternity. This whole gig here is actually about people knowing Jesus or not knowing Jesus. And, and something got a hold of me in high school when I, when I cared a lot about what people think. And I still do to this day. You guys have been around me at all. You know I talk about this a little bit. Just part of my biggest struggle has been people's opinions and caring too much about them. But, but something got a hold of me when I was in high school where I began to realize that, like, oh, oh, man, actually, this whole thing isn't about me looking cool or not. It's actually about, like, eternity here. That, like, I'm going to have friends that I'm going to go to high school with are going to be on my football team or, like, the five of us are going to be on the golf team. Golf was not, golf was not, not as cool back then. But that these dudes, this class, this group of people, my extended family, that there's an eternity that they have that, that can be impacted. Do you care about where people will spend their eternity? Do you care about where you will spend your eternity? Eternity is kind of the big hinge point. And it's a big motivator that I think a lot of us, we just kind of discount until we really are pressed with thinking about it in a moment where a pastor prays about it at the end of a sermon. Like, where do you want to spend eternity? Or have you given your life to Jesus? And then we think about eternity for a hot minute. But homeboys over here on your phone, I want to make sure you're catching this. You got it? Thanks, buddy. This is important to me. I don't do this thing called youth ministry here because, like, I need a job. I don't do this thing because, like, it's something that makes me feel good about myself. I don't do this thing because it's entertaining to me. I don't do this thing because it was the only option that I had. Now, I'm here on an assignment from God to help reach a lost generation that does not know Jesus because eternity is at stake. Like, that's why I'm here. That's why there is breath in my lungs right now. Like, that's, that's why I'm standing up here today, and we're going to open the scriptures, because this isn't just a cool hangout place. I love you all. There's so many other cool places you can get with a bunch of people and, like, have a great time together. And, I, man, I pray that this place is like that, but I hope that's not it. I hope that you don't come here and have fun moshing for a hot second and then being like, gosh, dang it, I wish I would have put deodorant on. And then, like, just, just existed around to, like, hope that that girl looks at you and to hope that that guy might give you some attention. And then you walk out of here and remember how much homework you have. And this was just a nothing moment of your entire week. No, I believe this is about eternity. I'm not here to fill a job. I'm not here because it was a, an application that I got to apply for and it sounded like a cool place to go live. No, we are here on assignment from God because eternity is at stake and because there's people that don't know them, no, don't know God. And then there's going to be a group of people that are going to come here on a Sunday night and get in authentic community and life groups and Jesus is going to begin to change their life and then I'm going to be able to speak into that and to challenge them and say, yo, wake up. There's more to this life than how many likes that you're getting on anything. There's more to this life than someone telling you you're pretty or handsome or you're attractive or you're talented or you're gifted or you're smart. There's more to this life than what you look like on the outside. There's so much more. And Jesus has got something to do new in you and then through you to a dying and desperate and broken world all around you every single day that is starving for life. This whole, this whole gig is about eternity. 
And, and you guys are asking questions like, how do I tell people about Jesus? Because I think some of you are starting to capture a glimpse of what is actually going to matter. Let me, give you, let me give you five things tonight. I'm going to read Acts 4 real quick, and then I'm going to give you five things that I believe I want to challenge you with just to give you some practical tools to think, okay, Chase, I got friends that don't know Jesus. Give me some practical things to begin to walk this out. But, but let, me, let me take us to Acts 4. Let me read through this. This is a story. Jesus is ascended. Everything's getting turned upside down. People's lives are actually getting changed by Jesus. They're starting to realize that, like, yep, uh, my dirty, rotten, sinning past is being forgiven. It's been redeemed. Yep, I was, I was, I was, I lusted. I was addicted. I was a murderer. I was a, I was a gossiper. I lied up and down the yin yangs of all things. But now Jesus has saved me. He really lived. He really died. And the blood that He shed on the cross covers my life, and I'm a new creation. I gotta tell people about it. Because I'm realizing now that whole thing that I used to be about doesn't actually matter. So what we see is people start spreading that gospel, that good news, that message around. We see this, this picture here where Peter and some of the disciples in Acts chapter 4 start proclaiming Jesus in the resurrection. Let me just read it from 4. I'm going to just read you through a few verses here. If you haven't, follow with me. Acts chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed. Love that. I love that, I love that Luke, who authors this, this book of Acts, he writes all these accounts. He, he, he decides to include that a bunch of these people were annoyed. Let me tell you what. Just because somebody's annoyed with you talking about Jesus doesn't mean you are doing something wrong. They were greatly annoyed. Now, you don't want to be annoying people on purpose, but just be, just be clear. It's good that Luke is letting us know. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming the Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. They arrested him. They put him in custody. So these guys were willing to go to prison for telling people about the, the Jesus that had changed their life. They arrested him, put him in, the, in custody for the ne- until the next day. For it is already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So, so these guys are just unstoppable. Could you imagine what would take place at your school if something like this went down? You, you, you begin to speak and tell people in a, in, a, in a way that was obviously appropriate and like respectful, and you're not trying to be a little like uh, troublemaker that all your teachers are like, shut up, shh. Stop talking in class. I'm not saying you have to get in front of every class and every lunch opportunity and stand on the table and, and yell about a, about a bunch of people. But what if you just took Jesus seriously enough to be like, all right, today, Jesus, is your day. I know I got a bunch of things I got to do. But if you want to do something in the things that I got to do or you want to stop the direction of where I'm going to help me go tell somebody about you, like, I'm willing. And all of a sudden, people started operating like Jesus was real and he actually changed their life. Imagine what would begin to happen. These guys were getting arrested as mid getting arrested. We're saying so many people had already heard the word and they believed they'd been coming trans- transformed. 5,000 people. On the next day, the rulers and the elders are in verse five and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. We're gonna keep going down. They basically are just trying to shut Peter up. They're asking him, what, what are you even doing? Like, what power are you doing this? What name are you doing this? Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, come on, said to them, rulers and the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? 
Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He's just starting to get, he's just starting to get going. Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. Everybody say, no one else. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name. Everybody say, no other name. One more time. No other name. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Pause here. So what's taking place? Peter and John are just operating filled with the Spirit and, and they were the way that they were communicating, it wasn't even that, the, that what they were saying sounded really good. I think some people misinterpret what's taking place here. It wasn't even that the, like, they were like incredible preachers that got up there and they're just like every word hit every single moment. No words fell to the ground. That's not even what the scriptures are speaking to as much as it was the boldness that they stepped into. They stepped into a boldness. That the, the Spirit of God filled them, and all of a sudden, where they might, be, they might be more timid, or they might be more quiet or reserved or peeled back, not wanting to, to come across as something that maybe they, no, they stepped into something that, that it was like a boldness. So it's going to look different for all of you, but when you think about your own self, what does stepping into boldness look like for you? Like, what would a bold moment be? I remember hearing a story of Bo, uh, this last, I don't know, if it was before the school year was over, I think, this last year at Tumwater. Was it last year where you shared something in the cafeteria? I heard about it through the principal at Tumwater, Principal Broom. He was letting me know about the story of a student from LWI that was like, I don't know if you told him beforehand or not, but he basically like, you got up, I don't know if you sit on the full table or just on the bench. I don't know how it all went down, but basically Bo was like, God's given me a word to share with some people today. He got up, stood on top of the table or the side bench and started just being like, hey, I got something I want to share with you guys today, like the scripture. And he just started to go and people listened. And people responded. That, that was a moment for Bo to step into some boldness. Because I can guarantee you that moment was scary as heck. And he had a lot of thoughts, I'm sure, running through his head. It's like, what are people going to think of me here? Um, I, I could be thought of as a bunch of things. But like, but, but I'm going to step into this thing that I feel like God's put on my heart to do. And he did it. And who knows what, who knows what transpired from that. But man, he, I know he spoke truth. I know the spirit was moving through him. And that, that truth that he spoke, if he spoke, if he's speaking truth, then you know that that truth is seed. And that seed is going somewhere, and it may not pr produce a fruit right there in that moment for someone to be like, yep, I want Jesus right now. But we don't know what that seed is going to be deposited and what it's going to be doing in some season of life. But he was faithful to sow it. But that's what, look, that's what boldness looked like for him. What does boldness look like for you? Some of you might just be looking at somebody in the eyes. Like, you just, like, man, you don't, this was, you're so concerned about not talking well or something like you just like you're looking all around some of you a boldness boldness for you might just be having a conversation with somebody and looking them in the eye some of you a boldness might be like asking one of your friends if they believe in God or not some of you it might be a text that you need to send to somebody letting them know you're praying for them I don't know but boldness looks different for everybody but I will tell you this something powerful happens when we filled with the spirit of God step into boldness 
They recognize these guys, these, the, they, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived these guys are uneducated common dudes. These aren't a bunch of pastors. These aren't a bunch of uh, Bible sc- uh, scholar, seminary trained people that are speaking into this thing. And they were astonished. But this is the key. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How were they, how were they able to step into this boldness? Man, these guys had been with Jesus. I'm fired up. (laughs) Because I just keep feeling like God is helping me see different moments in my life where, like, I look at where I'm at. And I'm like, I think sometimes we just assume, we just assume things about our seasons of life. Like, I'm going to be here forever. Hey, I'm going to go to this school today, and I'm going to go there the next day. And then I'm going to go here the next day until I graduate. Or that person's always going to be in that class next to me. Or that person's always going to be there on my team. I just, we, we operate in these assumptions of like, yeah, this is my life. This is how it's going to go. But God's been reminding me all, all the time. Like, no, like, life is precious. Nothing is promised. There's no guarantee that we've got tomorrow. Like, there's no, who knows how long I'm in this season of my life? Who knows how long we're here on this assignment? I don't, I have no clue. I hope it's forever. I love it here. I love you. I love this place. We love it. But who knows? So I want to do everything. Like, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And so I think about this, I'm thinking about this more and more and more. Like, what, what if, what does that look like for you? Like, that one conversation you can have with that person in your class. Like, what if they're not there tomorrow? What if you're not there tomorrow, but you've got an opportunity today to tell somebody about Jesus? And if you capture that, God is going to use you. Five quick things. Ready? Here we go. Number one, how to effectively reach the laws. Number one, identify the who God has called you to. You don't got to go save everybody. Some of you are like, yes, I am. I'm going to go. I'm going to go save everybody. I'm going to save my whole school. Praise God for you. Keep dreaming like that because we need people like you. But listen, you don't have to go and like save your whole class. But you do need to go, God, who is the who you're calling me to? Everybody's got a who that God's called them to. Who's the who God's called you to? Some of you got names right here, right now that are on your heart. Maybe you're sitting next to them. Maybe, maybe you think that there's no shot ever that they'll ever come to know the Lord. God uses the most crazy people. He transforms any kind of heart. Paul was a, a Christian-hating, murdering Christian dude. Paul the apostle who was Saul, that God had a life-transforming encounter with and then like changed his life, opened his eyes to who he really was. And then all of a sudden, like, dude is just giving his whole life to seeing people saved by Jesus. Like, you don't, don't count anybody out. That, that student at your school that's like, I'm super anti-God because I'm pro-LGBTQ plus. Because, because if you guys believe in that kind of God who's like this, I'm like, don't count that person out. God loves the heck out of them. If they've got breath in their lungs, there's still a chance for them to know Jesus. That person that like literally everybody does not like because of how mean they are. That person that like nobody wants to talk to because they're just, they're angry. You don't know why they're angry. There might be things deep root, rooted wounds inside of them that God cares about in healing. Yeah. If they've got breath in their lungs, there's still a chance. Yeah. If you got somebody in your life who's still breathing, there's still a chance for God to use you to deposit a seed of truth, for God to do something that you can't do. 
Who's the who God's calling you to? Number two, how do you effectively reach the lost? Build bridges of commonality. You like football? Boom. He likes football? Boom. She likes football? Boom. Common bridge. You get to build it. We like football? Awesome. There's a bridge of commonality. We're on the soccer team? Bridge of commonality. We hate football? Bridge of commonality. We love Chick-fil-A? Bridge of commonality. We hate Chick-fil-A? Get out of my life. No bridges. Build a bridge of commonality. Listen, you don't have to become a rocket scientist to figure this whole thing out. Who, who has God put in your life? Where, where can you find a way to connect with him as a human being? God will use that bridge to help translate his message of the gospel to their life. You don't have to like get all super spiritual and then wait for them to get all super spiritual. You like fashion, they like fashion, bridge of commonality. Find a way to connect with them on a place of common interest and desire and passion or, or ready, brokenness. Your family's divorce, their family's divorce, bridge of commonality. You've gone, through, you've gone through a bad breakup this year, they've gone through a bad breakup this year, bridge of commonality. You've struggled with suicidal thoughts, they're struggling with suicidal thoughts, bridge of commonality. Some of us just need to see that God wants to use something that's going on in our life, good, bad, and different, to build a bridge of commonality. You want to reach your friends for Jesus, begin to see what are those things that are common in my life that God can bridge across. Build bridges of commonality. Make the most of how God's wired you and where he's placed you. Don't try to be somebody you're not to reach people that, that need Jesus. No, God's wired you a certain way, and he's placed you where you are for a reason. So, like, man, if you're at Olympia High School, don't be, don't be freaking out about how to reach people at Tumwater High School. Praise God for Tumwater High School. If you're at Tumwater High School, don't be freaking out about how to reach people at North Thurston. Like, if you're there, be, be, be where God's placed you. It's not an accident. If you work at Dairy Queen, Queen right now, like go be a, a light at Dairy Queen. If God's put you at Chick-fil-A, praise God. Go be a light at Chick-fil-A, Sam Kobler. Like just, not a lot of people in there need light though. I'm telling you that. They're all loving Jesus a lot. I'm saying. Make the most of how God's wired you, where he's placed you. Chandler, I'm gonna invite you up, man. If you wouldn't mind coming to the keys, if you can... Uh, You can do the, uh, the chorus bridge of height and depth. Man, that'd be awesome. Number three. <laughs> Is that cool? That was the name of the song we sang, right? Yeah, okay, cool. That's amazing. <laughs> We're wrapping up here. How do you reach your friends for Jesus? How do you tell them about Jesus? How, how, do, you, how do you walk this thing out? Number three, foster a lifestyle of availability. Like, listen, you've heard this probably said before, but let me say it in case you haven't or remind you if you have. God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability. You don't have to be good at talking for God to use you to tell somebody about Jesus or to show somebody who Jesus is. He's not looking for someone that's like a superhero Christian that's already walking in this like pastoral like gifting for 15 years or what. No, like it's just he's looking for someone who's available. Like, hey, I'm right here, God. I see that person that's hurting. You can use me. All right, you want me to go sit next to him? You, you want me to, okay. You want me to go ask them if I can eat lunch with them, even though like all of my friends are over there and I really actually want to have lunch with them because I feel way more comfortable and I don't want to FOMO this moment. I, miss, I don't want to miss something happening with my group. But you're saying, yeah, I'm available. He's looking for someone that's just like available. Like I will use you 
to see somebody who needs me, to be a mouthpiece, to be a hand that's reached out to pull somebody up. When we live hurried, we miss opportunities. Wesley was saying in the beginning of tonight, we were talking about just being busy and exhausted and wanting to have a bed on the beach. <laughs> I just was funny about that. I was like, I just imagined you. I just imagined you. I just imagined you on a beach in a bed. It's really weird. It's a weird, weird imagery, man. Thank you for giving us all that. <laughs> and you were, just, you just loved it too. I could just see it. You're just loving it. When we live hurried, man, we miss opportunities. Like eternity is too long. Eternity is too long to miss opportunities on this temporary earth because I'm too hurried to see somebody the way Jesus sees them. Eternity is too long. It's forever. That that length matters more to me than my temporary hurried life that I want to feel like I got to live because it's I got to get these things, man. We how available are you right now for God to use you? Number four, I'm almost there. I got two more, four and five, ready? Number four, boldly share the gospel. This is a two-part. Boldly share it, share it with your mouth, share it with your life. There's a lot of people that are, living under this impression of like my let my life speak God's God's message and you know like what's what St. Francis of Assisi he says uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words it's a powerful statement I love it but it's incomplete here's why yes your life should be the, the loudest preacher of the gospel in who you are the way you live should let people know that Jesus is alive let me say that again the way you live should let people know that Jesus is alive. But God, in all of his godness, this is a super good word I learned in Bible college, in all of his might and glory, what's he do? He speaks the world into existence. Now think about that. That's not an accident. God is, in all of his godness, could just be like, done but he uses his mouth to speak the world into existence so you as a person that has been changed by Jesus is being changed by Jesus can boldly share the gospel with your life and with your mouth you need to tell people about Jesus you need to tell people with your mouth who Jesus is what he's doing in you what you've seen God do because, because God, from the beginning of the time, he gives us this example of how powerful our words are. Life and death, the power is in the mouth. So we can't just get on this like, yep, I'm just going to let people know about Jesus, but I'm not going to talk about it because my life is going to speak it. No, your life should be speaking it, but so should your mouth. And I, I want to challenge this generation. Some of you just need to start telling people about Jesus. You will be blown away at how receptive people are to you telling them, man, Jesus changed my life this year. 
man, I've been on this roller coaster. I've been up and down. I've been to a couple different summer camps and conferences and like Jesus. But man, there's something different happening in me. I got to tell you about it because I see you're struggling with depression. Man, I see you're struggling with hopelessness. I see that you are, you're lost and you are looking for purpose. I've been there. I'm still fighting through it. But can I tell you, Jesus has been walking me through this season and I've been experiencing hope and real life and my heart is being transformed and it's because of him. Preach the gospel with your life and with your mouth. Be bold. Lastly, this is where I want to end. We're almost there. You guys are doing awesome. I'm going to go less than Jeff went last, last week. Uh, one more thing before my fifth point, though. Inviting somebody to church isn't the answer to reaching the lost, but it's a great start to some people's journeys. I don't want to create this like false perception in my people that I'm helping try to bring to Jesus and disciple that the end goal is just inviting somebody to church. No, you haven't even scratched the surface of what God wants to do in you. Like having that conversation at lunch or you sit down with somebody or after school when you got a little bit more time, you don't got to worry about the bell, freaking bell. And you can sit down and you can look across the table and look them in the eyes and have a conversation with somebody about Jesus and you can ask them, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Like, have you ever, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Like, we can do it right here. I mean, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, the Bible says you're saved. That, that God has forgiven you. I mean, we can have that conversation. I can pray with you. We can pray right now. I mean, if you've never had that moment, with somebody or a group of people, I'm telling you, there's a glimpse of eternity there that you get to experience on this side of eternity. There's a glimpse of heaven there that you get to experience on this side of eternity that's like no other experience on the planet. And I want that for you. And Jesus wants to use you in those moments with your friends and family. So just inviting them to church, it's a good start, but it's not the end goal because God wants to use you so who is God calling you to share the gospel with the good news of who Jesus is and how he's transformed your life and how he can transform them? Lastly, number five, pray for revival. How do you reach the lost, man? How do you share Jesus with your friends? Pray for revival. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. We must declare the victory and hope of Jesus over our city, over our schools, over our families, over our friends. And revival in the city, revival in your friend group, revival, revival in, in your school, bless you, revival in your school starts with revival in the church and revival in the church starts with revival in your heart. It's an awakening. It's a Holy Spirit bringing something to life in you. And it's not some crazy religious experience that's happening that a bunch of people go crazy on. No, it's real life transformation. Jesus waking something up in you. Man, some people need to tell some people about Jesus with their mouths because eternity is at stake. Who? Who's it for you? Let's pray.